You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, we want to go on and um, we'll just try and establish a few things. I was going to say that I'm glad and I trust God to help us to grasp some just few points here and there. And it gives us an anchor in the time that we're in. Okay, like Pastor Chris said, who can fight my God? You see, what happens in, in mathematics and I believe in most other you know, studies, when they give you a problem, you do separation. You isolate things, isn't it? You put this here, put this here. So what we are doing with where is God is to know that that one is not negotiable. You understand? Because I can imagine the armies, you know, the uh, soldiers of Israel, that period. They'll be saying, ah, see how tall this man is. I know Saul was a giant to them. He was head and shoulders taller than all of them. But now their Saul became almost a dwarf. So their problem would have been, ha. If only we had somebody as big as this man. Ah, so you can't face this. You understand? You take your eyes away because situations have come that you never anticipated. But what we are learning is this. No matter what happens, God is. Praise the Lord. No matter what you see. Because you, you find, you know, part of what I can't remember where I wrote that. You know, but there's this saying in Igbo. And maybe someone can help me interpret it directly into English. How many of us? You haven't heard the saying before. I heard it from my sister-in-law. Now, Akapo is a dwarf. So, there's a saying that how many things? He's already a dwarf. Is he going to be a dwarf and be blind and be poor and have this? Abba, he's already a dwarf. Now, I don't do. Eh? Do you understand? So... <laughs> So, how many things can I bear, you know? Hallelujah. <laughs> Do you understand? But you see, no matter what, and we take a case of that, you know, that um, evangelist, Nick Vigovic or whatever. Ten things happened to him. But I, the, other, the last picture of him I saw was that he was in a yacht, fishing. The guy without arms and, you know, without limbs. Not hands, not feet. He swims. I can't swim. He plays football with the little thing that is there. You understand? Why? Because he, he said, uh, if you've read his story, at 16, uh, up till 16, he had tried several times to commit suicide. But he was unsuccessful. So at some point, out of frustration of not being able to commit suicide, he surrendered to God and gave his life to Christ. His parents are pastors. But the life is living now. Ask him. He won't exchange it for anything. Why? He said he knows that when he gets to glory, he's going to have all of that. But for what God has given him here, he has access to places where you and I will never, the greatest evangelist will never. He preaches in Muslim environments. Once they see him, what does this one have to say? But he gets there, they carry him and bring him on stage and he ministers and, you know, more teachers are turning to Christ. Why? Because somebody, in spite of a situation, held on to God. That's the message I'm bringing. So somebody says, uh, I've been a Christian uh, and uh, I haven't seen a husband. Let me go and marry Al-Haji or let me go and become third wife. You're not wise. 
I've been a Christian. I've been married for 47 years. I don't have a child. Let me go and do this. You're not wise. No matter what happens, if you hold on to God, the Bible says God will never leave himself without what? A witness. Nobody, when the end, at the end of his journey with God, will regret serving God. No one who waits on God will ever be put to shame. It's not possible. If you investigate, the person turned back. And why do people turn back? Because at some point, they see no light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what we saw in that story. It got so bad, the Bible told us how bad it was. You know, uh, they said um, donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. That's terrible. It one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels. That was how bad it was. And these women began to eat their children. But we could see that the very next day, there was abundance. You see, you can excuse, you can create excuses for yourself in the areas of your intending disobedience. But no, it's excuse. It's no reason. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can just, you can. You know, Paul, the apostle Paul says, all things are lawful. But not all things that defy. You can say, well, you don't know how I'm feeling. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know. I mean, that's you. In your own court. Praise the Lord. It's not like the senator. If he was in Nigeria now, that boy would be in DSS custody. The senator would be in his house. In your own court. But there is a court that does not answer to your own. You understand what I'm saying? So God is... And faith is believing that God is, in spite of the evidence of things, hope for substance of things, not sin. We settle it that no matter what. Why is that so? Because the Bible tells us in the beginning, God. So before my problems, God. Are you with me? And he's Alpha and he's what? Omega. At the end, when everything has come, like some people say, whatever it is, it shall come to pass. And when he has come and passed, God will still be there. Why don't you hold on to the one who will be there when everything is over? Praise the Lord. I think it was last Wednesday we were talking about, you know, the, the Christians being addressed about difficulties. The problem we are having with Christianity in this generation is that Christians are not being prepared to handle difficulties. So the messages they bring to us are kindergarten messages, nursery school messages that don't prepare anybody for anything. They don't tell you that after you have suffered a while, that God will perfect you, establish you, strengthen and settle you. So any sign of suffering, people backslide. The only message people hear is you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. We are blessed, but we are blessed in a level where there is download. And we are blessed in a level where sometimes that blessing will come in a way where it will sound as if you're asking for fish and they're giving you serpent. When our Lord Jesus Christ says, which of you will his father... Will his son ask for a fish and give him serpent? He was giving us something that we will think God is doing. Is someone hearing me? He said, Who, which of you will his son ask for is it an egg and he'll give him scorpion? He was saying that sometimes you ask your father for egg and you to seem as if what he gave you is scorpion. So that is for you to know that when such moments come, know that God is not giving you scorpion. Is someone getting it? That's what it is. He told us because it's the truth. Jesus is the truth. So Jesus is love. Jesus is truth. He's all of that. He deceives nobody. So we have unprepared, un, you know, untrained, unbuilt people. Who are, that's why the nation is the way it is. So if somebody's in an office 
and you're to take a stand and they're threatening you. If you do this, we will show you. We'll go to uh, uh, this place for you. Then the man will start shaking. Tell them to go now. As simple as that. Worst case, you suffer. Worst case, you lose your job. Worst case, they say what? Worst case, you die. Worst case, you raise, you're raised on the resurrection money. Praise the Lord. You know, if you come here, sometimes uh, it's as though we sing dead, dead, dead. But what is death to a believer? The fact that you're born again, you confess that Jesus died and what? So death for the believer is not the last bus stop. That's the beginning confession. I believe that Jesus did what? Died and... So we that believe what will happen to us also, if we die also, we rise again. So why are we threatened? By something we've overcome. And like I said, people who don't have this truth and this revelation. Muhammad is not risen. He didn't promise them resurrection. He, he told them he doesn't know. Then they are taking our message and are preaching. So they are getting young boys and young men and telling them, go, if you kill these people, you're going to. They are not sure. But we that have it, we are not teaching it. We are just telling people, you know, here, 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 here. Overtake, overtake, overtake. Okay, there's nothing wrong with overtaking. It's part of it. But if you don't have the whole cancer, you won't be able to stand. Just like a table, no matter how beautiful a table is, if the four legs are not there, it can stand. Three beautiful legs. Except it was designed intentionally. But a four-legged table, if it's a three-legged, just remove what God designed this thing to be run in a particular way. Are we getting what I'm saying? So part of it is that it says, be you followers of those who through faith and patience. Whenever you see patience in scriptures, it's talking about going through suffering, going through adversity, overcoming adversity. Nobody is patient sleeping. Patiently sleep, Joe. <laughs> Do you understand? Whenever I tell you to be patient, it means that you're going through something you're not enjoying. Abby, you don't give me a bowl of uh, beans and plantain and tell me eat it patiently. <laughs> Will I do that? No, I don't need patience to eat. I'll devour it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God is, and He's close by. That's part of what we learned. You know, for me, part of what helped me was He said Genesis verse chapter one two. He says, "And the Spirit of God hovered, brooded." So He's always eager, ready. So my job is to find a way to connect with him. Brooding is, means in the process of reproduction, creating new life. So whatever it is may look like it's dying. But because the Holy Spirit is brooding, there is new life possible. Praise the Lord. For someone, maybe it's your business is looking like it's dying. But the Holy Spirit is brooding. Hallelujah. And that brooding might be to take you to a dimension that that old business could never take you to. It's like the hatching of an egg. If you're sensitive, why? Because you may have gotten to a door where even if he opened it for you, you will never reveal what God has prepared for you. So it has to put a resistance here so you can step higher. But if you're not sensitive, praise the Lord somebody. If you're not sensitive, you'll miss it. So God is, God is walking, God is close by, God is speaking, God is acting. I just want to find what he's doing. God is and he's a rewarder. God can be found. Let me say God can be found. Yes, no matter how bad it is. That's what the story told us. The king was there lamenting, you know, I don't know what his problem was. Until he said he's going to cut off the head of the man of God. But we saw that even in that his, you know, frustration... God used it to get the man to speak. 
Because some four lepers had already stepped out under the you know, move of the spirit. To just go and see what God has done. You see, the beauty of this story is that you and I, we don't even know when God drove those people away. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. We don't even know whether it was one month before then. We don't know. They didn't tell us when. But God had done it. Hallelujah. God had done it and everybody was locked in in Samaria in fear. Be delivered from fear. I be delivered from fear. We be delivered from fear. Christians in Nigeria be delivered from fear. In the name of Jesus. Nobody knows when. When the people ran away. It was when they went that they saw. Praise the Lord. Okay, what I want us to do today is just to bring a simple, you know, light dimension to this. And what introduces that to us is Job. In Job chapter 23, you know, for the Christian who, who really wants to run this race and, you know, grow in this thing with God, you have seasons in your life where Job will minister to you. I mean, we never really are exposed to go through it the way he went through it. But sometimes, you know, Job is there for you. Just like David is there for, you know, for, for a lot of us at different times. Come with me to Job chapter 23, and I'll read from verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Even today my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Verse 3 says, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I will present my case before him. And fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me. And understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. There the upright could reason with him. And I'll be delivered forever from my judge. Verse 8. This is important. He said, look, I go forward, but he's not there. I'm backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he walks on the left, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is unique and who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. Let's stop here. Praise the Lord. You see, Job was part of where this uh, meditation began from. And we'll we, we try and close up with him. You see, Job suffered. If any person would ask questions, Job was the one that should. God testified of his status before him. Have you considered my servant, Job, that there is none like him in all the earth? So why should he have trouble? Because God decided, in spite of Job, without consulting him, I'm going to send this test to him. And he boasted of him to the devil. And the devil said, but you are protecting him. And God said, okay, I take away the protection. So all of a sudden, in one day, all his children die. In one day, all his wealth is gone. And the Bible said, in all of this, what happened? He said, Job didn't curse God. Job didn't blaspheme. And the devil said, what are you talking about? You've taken away wealth and all of that. Touch his body. 
And God said, okay, you can touch his body, but make sure you don't touch his life. So Satan went and touched Job's body. Can you imagine the intensity? I'm even thinking of the velocity. Velocity is uh, speed and acceleration, Abby. The velocity of his prayers. Do you understand? And then it's getting worse. And it's getting worse. So the wife was normal. The wife was not wicked. When the wife said, curse God and die, she was just being normal. Because obviously God is doing this thing to you. He hates you. Something is wrong. But the Holy Spirit said to me, come and see what Job's response was. He said, verse 3, he says, I want to find him. I want to tell you something. He said, the word of God is, the, the Bible says that our Lord Jesus speaking says, the scriptures cannot be broken. What is said at that end in the word of God, if you can't apply it at the other end, you've not really gotten it. I want to read you something that you know, or a statement that you know. Our Lord Jesus teaching us, he made a statement. He said, unless you receive the kingdom as little children, you will by no means what? Enter. Matthew 18, 3. Let's read that one first. He said, unless you're converted and become as little children. Matthew 18, 3. As surely I say to you, unless you're converted and become as little, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Then Luke, Luke 18, 17 puts it this way. He said, as surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means what? And what is in this little child mentality that Jesus said, unless, equating only unless a man be born again? Have you asked that question? What is it about this little child mentality that you and I should have? The only other place he said unless and kingdom is unless a man be born again. Then this time he says, unless I receive the kingdom as little children. You know why? If we have a little child here, we have some little children here. When little children are hungry, they don't look for food. What do they do? They look for their mother. When little children are afraid, they don't flex their muscle. They look for their mother or their father, their parents. No matter what happens to little children, their response is one. Mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. Now, even when they look for trouble and you beat them, what do they call? Mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. Unless you're converted and begin to see that God is your father. So Job in his affliction did not say, let me find, you know, you see some Christians, any small thing, they are trying this prayer house. They are trying this magic house. They are trying this wonder house. You're not a son because children don't try their neighbor's house when they don't have food. All that Job went through, I want to find my father. Interestingly, the very opposite response that the devil was looking for. That's why God was confident in saying, try him. Why? He's a son. He's what? A son. He's my child. I'm his father. Difficulties don't, don't separate children from their father. They reveal hirelings and strangers. So in times of difficulties, strangers and hangers-on will try Babalawo. They will try... Uh, all kinds of places that you know that this thing is not it, but you want solution more than you want God. People of God, 
The Lord said, he said, this is it. Unless, unless you receive. Little children, when hungry, when in need, when endangered, they do only one thing. They seek their parents. That's all they do. And it's understandable. (laughs) My mother. I was not in this world. I don't know where I was. You brought me into this world. Any problem I have in this world, better know how to what. My heavenly father, did I save myself? Whatever it is, I also do what? Come to you. But like we started, the enemy wants you to say no more, God. But when you find out that, ah, like we learned on Sunday, the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Even if it's from the Lord, I'm still what? I'm still running to the Lord because he is what? My father. Job said, look at the way he broke it down. Job 23, verse 3. He said, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat, that I might present my case before him, fill my mouth with argument. I would know the words which he would answer me. I want to hear from my father. I want him to tell me. He said, you go to him. And sometimes, you know, you might even go and there won't be an answer. Are you getting what I'm saying? What do you do? You remain there. See, see what Job went on to say. Verse 8, he didn't get an answer, obviously. Verse 8, he said, <laughs> he said, look, I go forward, but he's not there. This is a believer. I'm backward, but I cannot what? Perceive him. He said, when he walks on the left hand, I turn, I can't behold him. I sense his ear, I turn, I cannot see him. Then verse 10 he says, but he, he knows the way that I take. That's a flip of hope. I might have lost sight of him, but he hasn't lost sight of me. I might have lost sight of him, but he knows. And then he wonders, when he has tested me, what is he talking about? He's talking about the integrity of God. He's talking about the reliability of God. He's talking about the unfailingness of his love. 11, he goes on and says, my foot has, not, has held fast to his steps. I've kept his way and not turned aside. I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. I've not. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. How easy, oftentimes, is it for believers to do what they know they shouldn't do? Because things are hard. Because somebody looks for trouble. Because temptation is high. But Job said, no. No, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He's the one I want. He's, he's the one I want. Let me show you a scripture. I want us to say something. So that because some of these things you hear it and then it's too difficult for you to take in. Isaiah 63 verse 9. Read it for me. Stop there. Read it again. Let me tell you. God being your father. Eh? There is nothing you go through that he doesn't go through. The Bible says we do not have a high priest who is not or cannot, is not touched by the feeling of our infirmity. Mothers will tell you when our children were small, without hearing the voices audibly, my wife will say, Tochiku is crying or Uche is crying. Or they'll say, this boy is hungry. You know why? Somehow, biologically, There is a resonance between that little child's physiology and that of the mother. Now, the same way your heavenly father, 
You as his child never suffer alone. God regrets to afflict us, but because he's a father, that's why Hebrew told us that if anyone does not experience chastening, he is a bastard. The only affliction God permits for us is what is necessary. And even in that, he's afflicted with us because he is father. In all their afflictions, he was what? What did Jesus say to Saul of Tarsus? He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute Peter? Is that what he said? Why do you persecute James? He said, why do you persecute what? Me. Because every pain afflicted on the church is on him. He is the head where his body. You see, you mustn't joke with your Christianity. Some of us are handmaidens that the Lord has chosen as a witness. If you were allowed to choose, you won't choose that part for yourself. But God just said, I, I choose you for this part. So you're going through situations and difficulties and it doesn't make sense. But God is saying, please bear with it for my sake. Hold on for my sake. Stand for my sake. Because by you, I want to save multitudes. And he doesn't do it remotely. He comes in and fills it with you. That's why he says he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. How does he know what you can bear? Because he's there with you. Are you with me? Because in all their affliction, he went on and says, and the angel of his presence saved them. So he delivered. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and he bore them. And carried them all the days of old. In his love and in his pity. He was there with them. He was filling it with them. He was going through it with them. He didn't forsake them. He didn't abandon them. He didn't let them throw, you know, from far. This is what we're going through. No, he felt everything. Let me, let me show you something where God was expressing himself. Deuteronomy 8, 2. It says, God speaking to the nation of Israel here. This is more like explanation. Now explaining to them what had happened. He, he said to them, he said, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. You took me through the wilderness for what? He said to humble you and what? Why? He said to know what was in your heart, whether you keep his commandments or not. Three, gone. So he humbled us or humbled them and allowed them to what? Hunger. And fed them with manna, which they did not know, nor did their fathers know. Why? That he might, what? Make them know that man does not live by what? Bread alone, but by everyone. It was training so that they can value him more than bread. But by every word. He said, I did that. I did that. God is saying to someone, I'm taking you through so you will know me. Know my value. He said, so that you will know that man does not survive by circumstances. Man survives by the presence of God. Four and five. He said, your garment is in no world. Nor did your foot swell these 40 days. He said, what? So you should know in your heart that what? As a man chastens, as a man deals with his son, so the Lord your God what? Chastens. How does a man deal with his son? Some of us here, we have children that are, you know, at the age of maybe they are becoming, you know, boys to men. So you're teaching him how to drive. Then sometimes you ground him. You want him to drive, Abby, but you don't want him to go and drive and kill himself. As a man chastens his son, so there is balance. He's gauging it. 
I want you to grow up to be a man. Okay? So I'm releasing you to some things men do. But if you carry the mentality of boy, I pack you. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so nothing you do, nobody, no, no sane man will bring up his son and just start slapping him and kicking him. Am I right? You would do that if, I mean, I don't know whether you ever do that. But the point is this. God is telling us here, everything I'm doing for you, everything a father does for his son is to bring him up. The least is to be as him. Most parents will want to be better than him. That's the dealing every father deals with the son. And God is saying, that's how I deal with you. So when you stand there and you're going through, and you say, God has a, God, how? He can't abandon his split image. He can't. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's impossible. He wouldn't. He can't. His father. Praise the Lord. His father. Okay. So th- this lesson is what men of old knew. This was where Abraham made his little mistake. But thank God. And this, that's consolation for us. It doesn't even matter where we have missed it. God is merciful. Because in the matter of Abraham with Sarah and Hagar. In Genesis 16, we know what happened. Sarah just came and said to Abraham, listen, you know what is going on now? I, I think God has kept me from having a child. I'm going to give you, you know, my servant Hagar. And then you're going to, and then we have children. And, you know, according to the traditions of those days, it was, it was morally okay to do that. And the Bible says, Abraham went in and, you know, Ishmael fell out. <laughs> okay. But you and I know the trouble that the same Ishmael brought both to Sarah, to Abraham, and to us now. All it needed was for Abraham to say to Sarah, I have a father. Let's wait on him. You understand? Listen to that Sarah's argument. It's God has shot this from us. Let's find a way. Compromise is not a small thing. Amen. And you see, the danger of this is that when people want to compromise and they present you with their scenario. Now, you are not God and you are not their heavenly father. If you are not careful, you will endorse it because you think and you can't find a solution for them. That's why some of you have to be hard like me. And being hard like me starts with being hard on yourself first. Do you understand what I mean? You know, whenever I come here, I don't know why God always makes me to talk, you know, about prosperity and all that. Listen, Left to me, I'll be a billionaire pastor. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm telling you the truth. But that dealing, I have to deal with it and circumcise my heart in that area. Do you care what I'm talking about? So I know what it means to change your desire and surrender it to God's will. I understand it. I didn't grow up, you know, not having everything I in, in luxury. That's how, you know. But understanding the will of God, understanding the purposes of God, understanding the high call of God, and knowing that this thing can lead men astray, knowing the dangers of it. So when someone comes and says to me, you know, I'm this age and that is happening, or I'm this and that is happening, I say, remain there. If you die today, will you want to marry tomorrow? The Bible says, in your patience, possess your souls. You know what that statement is saying? He said, no matter what you're going through, hold on to your solo. Do you understand? Even the prosperity we are talking about, he said for men having, you know, sought after it, they have what? Had their souls and their hearts were pierced. There are things that are not negotiable. And as God is giving us understanding, and so God has not left me alone. In my affliction, in my peculiar situation, God is saying to me today, don't look left or right. You, as a little child, receive this kingdom. Go to your father, cry to him. God said to David, 
when David committed, you know, the adultery with Bathsheba, when he was, you know, rebuking him, he said, I've given you how many wives? I can't remember the number. And he said to them, if there were not enough, you would have asked me. So his issue is, why go to another place? Come to me. And then coming to him is coming on his own terms. So, you know, uh, whatever it is you want, go to wait for it on his terms. That's all I'm saying. No, nothing is wrong on its own. The, the challenge is when you want to get it with the terms you know is not God's terms and then trying to get God to back, back it up. You know, it, that's not right. You get what I'm saying? That's, that's the challenge. So if it's children, have 28, but have it the proper way. Okay? So he says, he says to us, never lose sight of God because of the sight of your problems. Because the test of faith or a test of faith of my spiritual level is simply... You can simply apply it this way. In times of extremity, which way do I turn? How many of us can remember a moment of extreme trial, difficulty, maybe financial need and something like that in our lives? Just difficult moment, maybe. How many of us turn to intense prayer and fasting? You know, the normal thing is worry, anxiety, compromise. But you're growing up. Job said, I looked for him. What did he say? He said, I looked for him. I don't understand what is happening, but God, I must find you. This matter, we'll have to talk about it. Unless you receive the kingdom. Note that Job was not looking for solution. Okay? He was looking for him. He said, God, he said I want to see you. Let's talk. I want to find you. Daddy, have you had situations where you're beating your child and the child is just looking into your eyes? That is, is it you? <laughs> it's you, mommy. <laughs> Do you understand? That's what he's calling us to. It's a high expression of faith. A high demonstration of faith. So somebody is, is in a situation, you're in pain, you're in difficulty, you're you know, in some dire situation now. I want you to lift your faith and tell him, you are my father. And I know you are good. I know you are great. I know you are omnipotent. I know you are all of that. I set my eyes on you. I set my gaze on you. Isaiah 50. Verse 7. If you're taking notes, you can just write 5 to 9, but we'll just take 7 alone. This is what it says. And this statement, I believe, was uh, made by our Lord Jesus. You know, it was uh, one of the prophets. It said, for the Lord God will do what? Help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. It says, therefore, this is where I'm going to. I have set my face like what? A flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. That's a Christian. He began by saying, the Lord God will help me. Do I have a prophecy for somebody here? The Lord God will help you. Yes. The Lord God will do what? Will help you. Why? He who began the good work in you, he is what? Faithful to complete it. He will help you. He will help you. He will fulfill his good promise. He will perfect his work in you. Amen? Yes. In those of us as a nation, Nigeria, he will. He will see to it. As time goes on, men might retire. Men might fall by the side. Those who are not willing to concur and align. But he will keep searching. But anyone whose heart comes like the heart of a little child and say, Daddy, I'm looking to you. The assurance we have is that our God, our King, our Father, he will help us. Praise the Lord, somebody. Let's rise on our feet. On Sunday, we prayed from Psalm 18. 
And I said, if you have time, I encourage you to read the entire Psalm 18. But Psalm 18 verse 3, or from verse 1 to 3 or 6, but let me, let me take verse 3. Look. It says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. It looks like he is the one who permitted me to be pushed here. I'm not looking for another. That's why when they took that song, he said, let's sing it again. Searched all over. There's still nobody. Nobody greater. Nobody like him. Nobody loves you like him. Nobody understands your situation like him. Nobody patient with you as him. Nobody. Tonight, I want you to just, if I were you, I just say, Father. Because that's the main thing he said to tell you. Receive this kingdom as little children. He said, do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't be too wise. Trust me. I'm your father. See me in that situation with you. You are my father. You are my God. You are my daddy. He said, as a father pitied his child, so the Lord pitied those who fear him. Lord, to whom shall I go? I cannot turn to the world. They will not help me. (laughs) I cannot turn to the right. Nobody there will help me. You are my father. You are my God. The glory and the lifter of my head. You are my way maker. You are my Jehovah. You are my wisdom. You are my righteousness. You are everything to me. Are things getting... I don't understand what is going on. Lord, but it's you. I lift my eyes to you. You will do it for me. The Lord God will help me. The Lord God will save me. The Lord God will deliver me. The Lord God will sustain me. If my deliverance is not today, Lord, you will give me grace. Until then, he said, our Lord Jesus said to Mary and Martha, show me where you laid him. Lord, this is where I laid it. I'm opening up my heart. There's a song we used to sing those days. I will let you into my heart. Ready for your holy fire. Lord, come into this heart. Drive away every doubt. Drive away unbelief. Come in, oh Lord. You told me, tell him, you told me you're in my situation with me. Come into my loneliness. Come into my affliction. Come into my life. Come in. I welcome you, Jesus. And he's coming in. Or rather, you're beginning to feel him. The devil is being defeated now. That falsehood that you abandoned, you're all of a sudden sensing him. He's there with you. Come in. Open up your heart. Tell him I've surrendered this life to you. And I'm not about to take it away. I'm not about to snatch my life out from your hands. Ah, do I like what I'm going through? No, I wouldn't choose it for myself. I will open up my heart.
You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.